So we got another book too. In our small groups, uh, those who are doing small groups will be getting this book titled, Where Do I Come In? Joining God's Mission. And again, if you're not in a small group and you want to still follow along, because this one's got daily devotions too, um, and you can go through the daily devotions and even the exercises yourself as well or with uh, uh, another person, um, just let us know if you need a book and then we can ensure that you get a book. But it's titled, Where Do I Come In? Joining God's Mission. And in this book, this week, it, it starts off with a story, familiar story, I think, to many. It's from C.S. Lewis. And it's a story of the uh, lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And I'm just going to read the summary and, and part of this story from this book this morning. Where four children named Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy are sent to uh, the English countryside to live with Professor Diggory Kirk during World War II. While exploring the professor's house, they stumble through an old wardrobe and discover the magical world of Narnia. But all is not well. Narnia is under the curse of the wicked white witch, who makes it always winter and never Christmas. The children are fortunate enough to meet Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, friendly creatures who are no allies of the white witch. And like all animals in Narnia, the beavers can talk. Are you the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve, Mr. Beaver said? We're some of them said Peter. Shh, said the beaver. Not so loud, please. We're not safe even here. Here, the beaver's voice sank into silence and it gave one or two mysterious nods and then signaling to the children to stand as close around it as they possibly could so that their faces were actually tickled by its whiskers, it added in a low whisper, they say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps has already landed. And now a very curious thing has happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you or I do. But the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. At the name of Aslan, each of the children felt something jump in his inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. And Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling you have when you get when you wake up in the morning and realize that it's the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. They say Aslan is on the move. The quiet rumor starting to rumble throughout the frozen land of Narnia is that the great lion Aslan, the true king of Narnia, is about to reclaim his kingdom and set things right. The world of Narnia is about to change. Aslan is on the move. This C.S. Lewis story is to mirror the biblical story that God is on the move. And so this morning, we're going to focus on Genesis 12 in a moment. But we're going to first look at some of, the, uh, some of God's movements that have already occurred already in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2, we have the story of God speaking. Speaking the beautiful and perfect creation into being. Genesis 3, then, we read about Satan trying to prevent God from any control. And so what does Satan do? He lies. And humanity falls into sin. Humanity is tempted, and they fall for the temptation. 
But in that same chapter, God continues to move. He continues to act despite humanity's disobedience. Genesis 4, we read about corruption and sin that continues now with a brother Cain who murders his brother Abel. But God doesn't remain distant from Cain. Cain is punished, but he's also protected. And then we get the story of Genesis 5, where it's kind of a strange chapter because all of a sudden, 500 years goes by. 500 years transpires, but God continues to be active. He continues to be present. And then we get the story of Noah. And now, God continued to be involved in Noah's life. Genesis 6. 6 through 8, we're informed how wicked the world has become. And so God chooses Noah and his family. And he makes a new covenant with Noah and his family. And gives them a promise. And he sends the rainbow as a sign. Genesis 9 is, uh, well, that's where God makes the covenant. And Genesis 10 expressed how the world has again grown and refers to several tribes and lines of Noah's son. Genesis 11 then gives a story of how sin again prevails. And even after God had purged most of the evil from the earth, but the world continued to grow and humanity continued to do their own thing apart from God. And so sinfulness continues as we read in the story of the Tower of Babel. Humanity has a desire to ignore God and build their own kingdom. And so God moves about and scatters people around the world. The end of Genesis 11 and beginning of Genesis 12, despite humanity's disobedience, our God is again on the move, calling one man and his family out of his country. So this morning we read from Genesis 11, verse 27, to chapter 12, verse 9. Genesis eleven twenty-seven to 12, verse 9. Before we do, let's pray. Lord God, as we read from your word in the book of Genesis, which much life has already transpired by this point in Genesis 12, but you continue to be present, you continue to be faithful, you continue to be on the move. And so as we read this, may we see that. May we see how you were so active in centuries ago and how even over the centuries you continue to be active and even so in our church and our lives today. So bless the reading of this word and the proclamation of your word and open our hearts to, um, yeah, just to be aware of your presence and to be transformed by your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis eleven twenty seven. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. And while his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, and she was a daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. So Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. 
And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, the reading today may sound a little bit like the story is all about Abram and how Abram responded in obedience to God's call on his life. And yes, that is part of it. But when we read the story of Abram, we cannot neglect to see a God who is very much at work in this world, very much orchestrating a plan for his purpose and for his glory. In Genesis 12, God continues to be on the move. And God sends Abram out into a whole new world. God sends his people on the move. We're going to talk about, more about that next week. Last week, we heard a passage from John 20, the Gospel of John, that we were reminded, that reminded us that our God is a sending God. And just as he sent Jesus Christ down to this earth as a human being, Jesus sends us out as well. Disciples are sent out into the world. Disciples are sent out into the world and blessed to be a blessing to others. Abram and his family were presently living in the land of Haran, having already moved once from the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. So Abram and his family continued to remain in the area of Mesopotamia. Now this passage also states that Abram is 75 years old. The Mesopotamia area was the perfect land to retire. To see his nieces, his nephews, his extended family grow and flourish there. Mesopotamia was the area in which Abram's family was now settled. They were established. Now, one should also not forget the abundance of fertile and productive soil along the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. It's a landowner's paradise. You can imagine the yields. Yet Abraham was told to leave his country, to leave this land, to leave his people and his father's household. So you've got to think for a moment that there was no logical reason for Abram and his family to leave and to go to another land. So it would not be surprising if he was somewhat reluctant. Because God was asking Abram to give up what was familiar to him and to follow God's leading. God may have made some promises to Abram, but he didn't provide Abram with any specific details of his plan. I mean, surely Abram was capable of finding his own land, as, as he already did in the land of Haran. Now, the land of Haran was not without its problems. The people in this region of Mesopotamia, they were involved in the worship of numerous gods. 
There was a sun god and the moon god and gods of the stars, gods of war, gods of love. The religion of the day involved these lifeless gods. Mesopotamia religion involved gods which could not make promises. The religion involved, which, involved gods which could not even establish a relationship with the people who were worshipping these gods. You see, so worship of these lifeless gods by the Mesopotamian people was useless. But they knew no better. So God called Abraham. He called Abraham from this life and land of idolatry. Abraham didn't know the true God. And so he did nothing to deserve God's call on his life. And yet, God comes to Abraham, God is on the move, and he graciously called Abraham. The Lord prodded Abraham out of his idol-worshipping family to leave. As it's stated in verse 4, Abraham left. God spoke to Abraham. Now remember, when God speaks, we see great things happen. However, today, we're likely not going to see the glory of God revealed to us like he was revealed to Abram. We don't get necessarily those audible or visible words given to us as direct as they may have been given to Abram. But our God continues to be on the move today. God continues to reveal himself to us Today, he does that through creation all around us. He does that through the scriptures that we have so readily available to us. And he continues to bless his people today like he blessed Abram. And yet, maybe there's times that we fail to hear these calls from God. Or see these blessings because maybe they're not as direct as they were with Abram. So we kind of maybe would chalk it off to, well, God must not have very big plans for me today. Or we may hear God calling us to a task, but we would rather maintain our course on our path, on often what's a familiar path, or the paradise that we feel that we're in. The things that we already had in mind to do today God challenges us to action. He challenges us to action just like he did to Abram. God challenges us to action when God calls us to work for his church, work for his kingdom. He challenges us when we are called by God to a life of following Christ. And God not only challenges us, but he continues to bless us. And he continues to bless us so that we, each one of us, can be a blessing to others. So that is the question that we are left with this morning. What is God calling us to today? How is he calling us? How is he blessing us to be a blessing to others? But you know what? Society today may not be so much different from society in Mesopotamia. Today, society worships various 
created gods and often misses the reality of the one creator God. And when I say society, we're included in society. We must be careful not to neglect to see the Lord's blessings that we are given. Like the gods of Haran, there are gods that surround us that are empty. They are lifeless. They're distracting to us. And so we too must be careful not to get suddenly sucked into that great abyss of the lifeless gods surrounding us. Because there are lifeless gods surrounding us. There are distractions and noises surrounding us today. The noise of the culture is so loud that we will have difficulty hearing God's voice when He speaks to us. The noise of the culture prevents us from being blessed and then sharing those blessings with others around us. What are we doing with our financial resources? What are we doing with our spiritual gifts? What are we doing with the time that we're given? How many of us don't say we're so busy? Lord, have mercy on us. Our God continues to seek us out today. And He is going to continue to use us for His purposes. God continues to bless us today and He wants us to bless others. Now we may not always know what God's specific plans and purposes for us are. It might be in the busyness of our lives and the worst things that God is using us but we must be open and vulnerable to the Spirit's leading. And we are at times prodded to put other things aside. And so we must leave everything for Christ. Christ Jesus Himself states that we must take up our cross daily. We heard, we sang about the new mercies of the Lord that we see each and every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, God. But we are also told that in response we are to take up our cross daily. Luke 9.23 We are to follow Him daily. Respond positively when God says go. Listen to the voice telling us when to go in faith. Be obedient to our Lord and our Savior. Again, God called Abram out of God's grace. There was no reason to call Abram other than on account of grace. And then Abram becomes the father of Israel. And then we read further on in the Scriptures that Israel was blessed by God. And Israel was then God's chosen nation. Deuteronomy 7, we read, The Lord didn't set His affection on you, Israel, and chose you, Israel, because you are more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Again, God choosing weak vessels. But it was because the Lord loved you. And kept his oath, he swore to your ancestors. Grace. No logic, no reasoning. Grace. God blesses his people on account of his grace. Genesis 12 begins with God revealing himself to Abram. And through God's spoken word, God initiates a relationship with Abram. In establishing this relationship, God gives Abram a command. He commands Abram to go to the land. 
But God also states another sentence, another phrase after that. Go to the land that I will show you. God showing Abraham means that God will be with Abraham. You see, God doesn't send Abraham and his family alone. God is not some lifeless moon god or sun god or busy god in our, in our society. God desires to have a relationship with his people. The Lord God establishes a covenant relationship with Abraham through more promises as we read according to verses 2 and 3. God uses the word bless over and over again in his promises. Because when God blesses, God positions that person under his protection. He positions that person under his favor, under his grace. Now we read this, and God will also use the word curse. This is for people who oppose the Lord, who oppose God's plans. There are consequences to actions. But God favors Abram through the promise of a great nation. And God establishes this relationship with Abram, and God goes beyond by establishing a relationship with Abram's family. And God promises to establish a chosen nation and a chosen people. And yes, how many times don't we read that Abram or Israel went opposed to God's will? But he said, you are my people. I am your God. And grace kicks in again. And forgiveness and restoration. And God does not allow stumbling blocks to distract him and to get in the way. Genesis 11.30 It states that Sarai was barren. But God continues to promise a great nation through Abram. God didn't say to them how it was going to be done. He didn't reveal his plans. He simply said that this is going to happen. It's going to be done. And so God promises Abram a great name. In Genesis 11, prior to the story of Abram, we read about the Tower of Babel. The, the, story, the people in this story, they wanted a great name. They attempted to obtain this on their own. And what happens when you do things on your own without God and his plans? You fail. Genesis 12, Abram was, at least initially, rather passive. It was all God's initiative. It was God initiating the relationship with Abram, saying, I'm going to give you a great name. And Abram's name was to become great. Abraham was to become the patriarch of the Israelite nation. He was the beginning of the line from where Jesus Christ was to be born, the Savior of the world. God established and blessed Abram. And God also blessed all peoples on earth through Abram. God made Abram the recipient of the blessings and promises, and then God used Abram as the transmitter of these wonderful blessings to others. And Abram and his family were obedient to God. They learned that they had a God who was living, a God who reveals himself. And again, God didn't reveal his full plans and his full purposes, but he did reveal himself and he revealed the promise to be with them always. God is on the move, restoring and reconciling the world to himself. Just as God was on the move with Abraham, God is on the move today. And he continues to reveal his covenantal promises to us. 
The God of Abraham is the same God today. He is a living God revealed not only through creation, but revealed through His written Word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we hear God's Word and we are given the faith to respond. Romans 10, 17. Through God's Word, we can look back at the nation in the Old Testament and see the, the, the line of Israel and, and all of Israel's activities. In the New Testament, we are the new Israel. We are the new Israel. And this nation, this new nation, this new church, as we'll call it, this nation goes beyond the Jews. And through the blood of Jesus Christ includes both Jews and Gentiles. And we can look forward in faith and hope for that great city where God is our builder, where Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, for that one church in the presence of the eternal, uh, the presence of Christ in our eternal life. As members of God's nation, we're God's children. Romans 8. We're heirs of God, co-heirs of Christ. Our name is great. People of God, we are called Christians. We have the greatest name on earth on account of what God has done through His Son, Christ, on the cross. We have a God that assures us of His promises. Again, we don't initiate these promises with God. God initiates these promises with us. With us. And for what reason? None other than grace. And just as God blesses us, He showers us with blessings so that we may shower others with blessings. God blessed Abram and his covenant with Abram included us. The covenant, the people that he was talking about with Abram, the blessings that were to come through Abram's blessings have been given to us. We are included in those blessings. Others have been blessed before us to bless us. So just as God blesses us through others, we too are used by God to be a blessing to others. Not only are we blessed, but others can be blessed when God is on the move and He calls us to move. Through Jesus Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit, God uses us to reflect to others what He has done in our lives. God uses us as instruments so that others can be blessed. So others can be participants in the wonderful blessings that we have received through a relationship with Jesus Christ. God sent His one and only Son to move into this world and to die in order that He can bless us. We have been blessed with eternal life. We have been blessed with forgiveness of sins. We have been blessed with grace and mercy. We have been blessed so others too can be blessed. Abram was blessed to bless us, and now we are blessed to bless others. Thank you, God, for being on the move and for always loving and blessing your people here on this earth. And together we say, Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for your story of grace in the life of Abram and in his family. 
We thank you, Lord, for your story of grace in each of our lives. And yes, we all have a story to share. So we thank you for blessing us beyond what we deserve and beyond our imagination. Thank you for blessing us with forgiveness and grace in your Son, Jesus Christ, and the hope of eternal life. And may we share our blessings with others. We were blessed by others, and we can bless others as well with the blessings that we have. And it's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.